Salutations, my friends, and thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noisera, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer, and guess what? I have titled this episode, Global Destabilization, Urban Warfare, and Opening the Doorways. Why? We've got a lot of crazy things going on. Julian Julian Assange sentenced to 50 weeks in prison. You got Republican lawmakers warning a civil war. Antifa literally trying to buy guns off of the Mexican drug cartels, as well as an Oxford University professor claiming that aliens are here, breeding with humans. Yeah, you can't make this stuff up. We got a lot of crazy things to talk about. If you guys want to go ahead and download the show notes, you can follow along with what we're talking about. Make sure you check out that episode with Rob of Truth and Vibration on our on our podcast feed, as well as the collaboration we're working with the Free Thought Project on. We're also going to be releasing part one of our trip to the border as we conduct as we conduct our ongoing investigations uh, with what's going on with there. A lot of different things to talk about in this episode. And with that being said, let's start the show. Salutations, my friends. And thank you for tuning in to another edition of Factions of Freedom. I'm your host, Noise Era, Freedom Faction, whichever one you prefer. And we have a lot of different things to talk about in this edition. That's right. Things like Cloward, Cloward and Piven. Overwhelming the system, overwhelming the courts, clash of civilizations, the multicultural agenda, so much more. We have a lot of different things going on. The summer of rage. I think everybody can see that. This entire week has been nothing but upheaval, chaos. And somehow it seems like that's becoming the new norm that we're having to become accustomed to insanity, accustomed to lunacy. And some of you may be asking, well, yeah, of course. We're asking, well, why Why should we get used to it? I always joke on this show that the only sin that we're guilty of is trying to be sane in an insane world. We're only trying to have logic and reason, as we can see the, the options uh, diminishing. You see, I hopped on Instagram Live today uh, to talk with you good people, not only about how people would try your patience, uh, but why it's important for us to really understand the divinity of things. Uh, we're going to be speaking about our trip to the border and so much more in this edition. Uh, also, some of the, the crazy stuff that's happening, just the, the overall general destabilization that's taking place. You would think it's summer. Why are people not at the beach hanging out? Well, they're too busy caught up in politics trying to talk about how they can control your life. You see, politics is downwind from culture. And we have a culture of conformity. We have a culture of, of uh, groupthink, collectivism. We don't have a culture that actually promotes the individual, that promotes the divinity, that promotes who we truly are and where we should really go. No. Instead, we have a culture that promotes authoritarian dictatorial control. A culture that says, if you do not agree with what I believe in, you are part of the problem. We have a culture of control, a death cult. These are people who do not want to recognize the divinity within you. I thoroughly, like Paul, you hear me joke about it on the show all the time, about how politics, yeah, this is cool, what we're doing and all, but there are greater issues at play. We've had guests on that have spoken about it as well, how what we're seeing right now is just a physical manifestation of the spiritual warfare that we are all undergoing. And I ask you, good people, can you not feel that tension? Can you not feel that epic energy? I said this today with you guys. 
some of you great people on Instagram that we are living in a time, an era of action where we have to do things. We can no longer hang behind the phone. And I also ask the question, because we are moving in, into this, this era of action, right? this age of activation, are we being gaslit into doing so? We, uh, because we are conspiratorial here, that's like our primary thing, our primary genre is like conspiracy. Then I guess it would go like paranormal and then politics. <laughs> but our primary thing is being conspiratorial, right? That's what we look at. We look at the conspiracies. Uh, we looked at The Economist magazine, I think it's of 2016. It's right whenever Donald Trump got in the office. And there was a, they, they had done like a tarot card rendition uh, on that actual magazine. And on that, one of the cards was how they were mobilizing people uh, in the armies. And we see this happening. Within like three years, people have literally gotten up from behind the, gotten up off of the couch, gotten behind, gotten in front of the phone, gotten in front of the camera, and they've been mobilized. They've been activated. So when I ask the question of, are we being gaslit into this? Are we being conditioned into thinking a certain way? I always have to refer back to those types of moments. The same way that we talk about the Illuminati card game and Donald Trump's card, and enough is enough. We have got to look at every possible angle when assessing where we're at. And if we don't, how else are we going to form that comprehensive view? How else are we going to start digging into the deep? How else are we really going to start understanding where we are, our time, spatial orientation, and so much more? And with that being said, let's start the show. Yeah, these are uh, these intros. I'm trying to work on them. I'm trying not to keep you guys too long. The past few episodes, they've been extraordinary. Not, not, they haven't been long. They've been meaty. They've been filled with oomph. Lots and lots of information. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out an effective way to cohesively deliver it to you, good people. Now, before coming on to the air, I was going to post an article about how uh, Julian Assange had been sentenced to 50 weeks in the UK prison and how he vowed to fight all the charges uh, because it's important. What we're essentially talking about is how they're criminalizing truth and rewarding corruption. Right here, Assange sentenced to 50 weeks in UK prison for bogus bail charge. We put this up at Activist Post on May 1st. Uh, it says, following seven years of imprisonment at the Ecuadorian embassy fighting U.S. extradition, WikiLeaks, Julia, WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange has been sentenced up to 50 weeks behind bars for an entirely bogus bail charge. 50 weeks. Essentially a year. And I only know that, that, uh, that conversion because I hit my year mark of going to the gym. 52 weeks. So 50 weeks is roughly about a year's time. So essentially all this stuff is going to go on within a whole year's time frame, right? But we won't have Julian Assange and we won't have WikiLeaks to help break down some of the inf some of the crucial and critical information within this time frame. Continuing on, it says Sky News reporter uh, Jordan, Jordan Milne uh, live tweeted events as they unfolded, reporting that Assange's defense argued that his fears of rendition and torture at the hands of the U.S. government were well-founded. His life in the Ecuadorian embassy and the physical and psychological detriments, uh, detriments which came with it were described, including deteriorated health and depression. The judge rejected his entire defense and delivered nearly the harshest sentence possible. Quote, Your continued residence in the embassy has necessitated a concentration of resources and an expenditure of 16 million euros of taxpayers' money in ensuring that you did not leave. 
or that you did leave, you were brought to justice, Judge Deborah Taylor told Assange upon his sentencing. This is bullcrap. Assange's residency at the embassy never cost taxpayers a penny. It was the British government's uh, decision to pour money into patrolling the embassy around the clock with police who had orders to arrest Assange on site over a petty bail charge. It was the British government the British government's decision to persuade the Swedish government not to drop its investigation in 2013 so that it could pursue the agenda to arrest Assange for U.S. extradition. Now, I'm going to go ahead and put a pause right there because we, we all know that these are just trumped up charges. They want to try to lock the guy up. The guy's a hero. Hillary Clinton and all these people loved him during the Obama or during uh, uh, during the Bush administration and even into the Obama administration. But now, and I think this is just a crazy turn of events, right? I'm going to play for you guys a clip of Hillary Clinton saying that we should have China hack Donald Trump's tax returns, right? She does the same thing that Donald Trump did, where he says, you know, if anybody has uh, Hillary Clinton's emails, I don't care who has them, just release them, right? Hillary Clinton copycats. She goes on the offense. She says the very same thing that Donald Trump did to essentially arrest Assange. What I'm trying to say is Hillary Clinton colluded with the Russians, and now she's trying to collude with the Chinese. Since Russia is clearly backing Republicans, why don't we ask China to back us? I hereby tonight ask China. That's right. And not only that, China, if you're listening, why don't you get Trump's tax returns? I'm sure our media would richly reward you. Now, according to the Mueller report, that is not conspiracy because it's done right out in the open. So if after this hypothetical Democratic candidate says this on your show, within hours, all of a sudden, the IRS offices are bombarded with incredibly sophisticated cyber tools looking for Trump's tax returns and then extracts them and then passes them to whatever the new WikiLeaks happens to be and they start being unraveled and disclosed. Nothing wrong with that. I mean, if you're going to let Russia get away with what they did and are still doing according since Russia is clear. Yeah, a whole lot of different things to look at with just that simple statement. Uh, Hillary Clinton said this on Rachel Maddow's show, MSNBC's Rachel Maddow, uh, this past Wednesday, suggesting that Democratic 2020 presidential candidate uh, should seek out the help of, quote, the only other adversary of ours who's anywhere near as good as Russians to hack, tr to hack Trump's tax returns. That's right. So ignoring the outcome of the Mueller report and doubling down on her years of unfounded accusations that Russia colluded with the election, with the election rival Donald Trump, Hillary Clinton said... And I quote, since Russia is clearly backing uh, Republicans, why don't we ask China to back us? She's basically saying, why don't we ask China to back the Democrats? Well, that's so interesting because that leads me to my next point. Earlier this week, we had President Xi Jinping of China. He had urged the youth to love the Communist Party. He said that that, that that is the ultimate sign of patriotism, is to worship the Communist Party. We put this up April 30th. It's by Drudge Report feed. It says, Ur Xi urges youth to love the Communist Party. President Xi Jinping urged China's youth on Tuesday to be loyal to the Communist Party as he sought to whip up patriotic sentiment in a nationalist speech marking the centennial of a student protest. Xi delivered his hour-long plea at the Great Hall of the People to commemorate the May 4th Movement, a landmark protest against, the colonial, against colonialism and imperialism that rocked China in 1919. The speech came as the party faces a slowing economy and a series of politically sensitive 
anniversaries, including 30 years since the June 4th, 1989 crackdown on the Tiananmen Square protesters. Quote, it's very shameful if a person isn't patriotic or even deceives or betrays the motherland. There is no place for such a person to stand anywhere, she told rows of young people, workers, soldiers, and Communist Party cadres. Many writing notes as he spoke, quote, In contemporary China, the essence of patriotism is to combine one's love for the country with the love for the party and socialism, he said. Quote, China's youth is China's Chinese youth in the new era shall listen to the words of the party and follow the steps of the party. The May 4th, 1999 or 1919 protest was a nationalist movement that began when some 3000 Beijing students marched to Tiananmen Square in anger at the handling at the handing of German concessions in China to Japan at the end of World War One. Essentially, what I'm trying to talk to you about is how the Democrats in America are beginning to line up with the communist Chinese, the communist socialist Chinese. That's right. They are openly aligning themselves with the Chinese. And even jokingly, you would think that that wouldn't be uh, you would think that that wouldn't be something to talk about. You know, there are people, there are writers, uh, writers and activists in China that say, you know, we need to break China up because they're becoming too powerful. They're, they're becoming too powerful. They are becoming a national socialist state akin to the Nazis. And if we don't break them up, they're going to they're going to pose a significant threat. You see. And that's that <laughs> that's very true. Like I said before, we uh, we've, we've talked about how the dangers of China, uh, Apple going over to China and so much more. Uh, that's why it's important that we, we highlight this type of stuff. I want to play for you guys a quick clip while we have the time of Donald Trump talking about how uh, America will never be a socialist country. I think that. Uh, President Xi Jinping saying these things is kind of like a, a tongue-in-cheek response to Donald Trump saying just that, saying that America will never be a socialist country. But this shows you how we're going through this schism within our country, how you have this fight for communism and socialism uh, taking place on the global scale, you see. But here, let me get this clip up for you guys. And this is, uh, I think that the, the 2019 State of the Union in front of Congress and the Senate, that's whenever Donald Trump made this statement. As part of a bold new diplomacy, we continue our historic push for peace on the Korean Peninsula. Our hostages have come home. Nuclear testing has stopped. And there has not been a missile launch in more than 15 months. If I had not been elected President of the United States, we would right now, in my opinion, be in a major war with North Korea. Much work remains to be done, but my relationship with Kim Jong-un is a good one. Chairman Kim and I will meet again on February 27th and 28th in Vietnam. Two weeks ago, the United States officially recognized the legitimate government of Venezuela and its new president, Juan Guaido.
We stand with the Venezuelan people in their noble quest for freedom, and we condemn the brutality of the Maduro regime, whose socialist policies have turned that nation from being the wealthiest in South America into a state of abject poverty and despair. Here in the United States, we are alarmed by the new calls to adopt socialism in our country. America was founded on liberty and independence, and not government coercion, domination, and control. We are born free, and we will stay free. And look at Bernie. He's just so upset. USA! 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 Okay. Sorry. Getting a, getting a little patriotic here. Sorry, I love my country. Uh, but, you know, this is, there's a lot of different things to look at with that, that speech right there. It's crazy to think about that he talked about uh, Venezuela, Kim Jong-un, and so much more. Because, ironically enough, uh, paying attention to the, some of the geopolitical developments... Uh, Kim Jong-un was in Vladivostok, Russia, actually hanging out there with Putin uh, and recognizing Juan, Juan Guaido you know, as the interim president in Venezuela. You know, Russia is also in Venezuela as well. So is Russia and China. They're both in Venezuela. So this is this is some of the, the geopolitical developments that I keep talking about, right? Why we need to look at this. You have this kind of socialist ideology rising this global communist this global socialist ideology rising uh, basically being backed by the un but where are these people getting the funding where are these people getting uh, i guess like the you know the bravado like why are they doing these types of things these types of developments are happening because this is part of that global destabilization as i've said time and time before throughout trump's entire presidency he is here to trump in the technocracy now, the technocracy is the scientific dictatorship that is Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and Agenda 2050. It's the Sustainable Development uh, Agenda. The Green New Deal, as put forth by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, as well as New York Mayor Bill de Blasio. It's the Green New Deal, the Green Agenda. Now, before we get to actually going through the Green New Deal and the Green New Agenda and all these different types of things, we have to collapse, Right. But before we do so, let's get into this stuff, this type of stuff. I want to play for you guys this clip, and I'll try to just, if anything, rapid fire, go through a few of these just so we can get them on record. Uh, but as Donald Trump was talking about recognizing Juan Guaido as the interim president, uh, you've had violent clashes erupt in Venezuela after the U.S.-backed Guaido has called for the military uprising. So you have this, this, this puppet, Juan, essentially having money from the U.S., to carry out these types of destabilizing acts in their country. And as you're hearing Liberty, Liberty, as you're hearing those horns honk in the background, uh, what I'm playing for our audio listeners is a video clip of National Guard running up on other National Guard, guns drawn, telling them to get up on the ground. What we're seeing right now, what's going on in Venezuela, is a coup, a live 
time coup. And that's that's beyond dangerous. Like you like look at this. I'm gonna play for you guys. It's, it's it's just this compilation of just clips of what happened in an entire day. You have people being shot at on the streets. Soldiers walking down the street with guns. Shots being fired on bridges and on rooftops. Civilians trying to defend themselves, fighting people with the nearest firearms. Uh, case, case loads of weapons. People walking the streets with machetes. Uh, there, was a, there was a video that went out last uh, earlier this week about how those same National Guard vehicles ran over protesters. Let me get into this article, and then I'll, I'll pull up that video for you guys. But it says right here, and this is from your Newswire. This is by Nima Harris. We put this up April 30th. It says, attempted coup underway in Venezuela. It says, Venezuela's U.S.-backed opposition leader, Juan Guaido, Guaido uh, took to the streets with a small contingent of heavily armed troops early on Tuesday in an attempt to lead a military uprising against President Nicolas Maduro. The, the, the Venezuelan foreign minister accused the U.S.-backed opposition of planning Tuesday's coup in an attempt in Washington and said the government would work to keep the peace. U.S. National Security Advisor John Bolton said that the U.S. does not consider the situation a, quote, coup because it sees opposition leader Juan Guaido as the country's leader. Deceptive and tricky. Defense Minister Vladimir Padrino Lopez has warned that the army would resort to force if necessary amid the ongoing U.S. back coup attempt. Crowds of opposition supporters have been filmed moving towards the presidential towards the presidential palace in Caracas. CBS reports that the early morning rebellion seems to have only limited military support, but it was by far the most serious challenge yet to Maduro's rule since Guaido, since Guaido declared himself the country's interim president back in January. The dramatic events began Tuesday when Guaido, flanked by a few dozen National Guardsmen and some armored vehicles, released a three-minute video filmed near a Caracas airbase in which he called on civilians and others in the armed forces to join a final push to topple Maduro. Quote, The moment is now, Guaido said in the video showing him accompanied by previously detained activist Leopoldo Lopez. Maduro's military commanders dismissed what is what it called a coup attempt in social media posts and said the Venezuelan army remained loyal to the president. According to RT, Maduro said that he had spoken to all senior military officers of the country's armed forces who assured him of their total loyalty to the constitution and the homeland. He called on his supporters to mobilize in the face of the latest attempt by Guaido to seize power in Caracas. Venezuela Defense Minister Vladimir Padrino Lopez also said in a TV address that the, nation, that the National Armed Forces remained loyal to the government while adding that those behind the acts of violence were partially defeated. Acts of violence. So I'm, you know, I, I've, I've been saying this since we started seeing some of the crazy things happening in Venezuela. I am not for regime, I am not for regime change. The people of Venezuela, they need to solve this themselves. But what's happening now is you have America doing what America does, always going in there to try to get the oil, to try to get the resources. I mean, like, again, China is already down there. They've sent troops down there. <laughs> They've sent humanitarian supplies, you know, like actual tons of food, of medicine, because the people need it. They've been without food and proper health care and diets for like five years, man. And you think about this as well, because this plays a huge part in what we're going to be talking about in the next uh, segment. 
as far as like the multicultural agenda, people coming in through Venezuela. These people are looking for, for, for sustainable lives. They're looking for a paycheck. They want that nine to five the same way America does, but they can't have that if they're living in revolution. What happens when these Venezuelans come to America? Okay, you already have Cubanos, you already have El Salvadors, you already have Sudanese, you already have people from the Congo, Nigeria, uh, Iranians. You have all kinds of people showing up on the southern border because they are experiencing just this destabilization in their country and they are seeking asylum here in America. But this is that that's the crazy thing about all this. Are we going to accept Venezuelan refugees the same way we should accept Syrian refugees because we caused all this chaos in their country? You see? And these are things that people don't really think about because it's going on. But to 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 get another one of these videos in for you guys so we can have this, as I said before, on record. Uh, check this out. This is how they censor you. For our audio listeners, uh, what's happening is I'm pulling up a, 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 a post on our page that has 12,000 views and it's considered sensitive content. So we have to click to see the video as we talk about this right here. Regime change in Venezuela as Military vehicles run over rioters in Caracas. And what you're seeing right now, for, or what our audio listeners would be seeing, are, are troops and armored vehicles clashing with protesters during an anti-Maduro uh, protest. Somebody threw a Molotov cocktail at one of the National Guard vehicles. They decided to start running people over. And we've seen this before. We've seen them open fire on actual protesters in Venezuela. I remember posting on it. Uh, one military vehicle plows into a group of protesters, leaving at least one injured. They, they cut the clip. I don't know why they don't show it. But this is going to happen. Okay? This is, all re- this, this is going to happen. It's going to intensify, and it's going to happen here eventually in the country. I hate to say it, but you can, see, you can see it all. You can read the tea leaves. You can see it happening right here. And this is, again, to get all this stuff on record. Ignoring devastating roles of U.S. sanction, Western media sees regime change as Venezuela's only solution. And the video that I'm playing for people is a a highway like a suit like a freeway that you know goes back and forth right everybody is literally mobilizing to go to the presidential pact the presidential palace in caracas you see so all i can really do is wish the best for the venezuelan people and hope that they can sort this out without too much interference from america but we already see that we're already involved so it we, we will truly see what happens. It's very dangerous to think that, you know, these types of things can happen and that we can just walk up in there and cause all of this chaos. But this is what this is what America does, unfortunately. We scramble things. We put in little puppet people. Uh, we install our own people that we can control that vote the way that we want us to or want, want them to and that, you know, do what we want. And this is that destabilization. Uh, these people, the people of Venezuela have been without food, proper food and proper, you know, health care for quite some time. There are articles every other week or so talking about the conditions of there down there. People having to sell hair for food, selling sex for food, uh, selling children for food. You know, they're they're out of the zoo animals. People aren't gardening like this. This is this is this is a humanitarian crisis, and that's why it's 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 bubbling up like this. But does that mean that we need to go down there, like Donald Trump said, and 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 fight their own fight for them? One of the things that China did in response to us sitting, because as always, we sent humanitarian aid in the form of guns and ammunition that I'm sure the opposition, the U.S.-backed opposition is now using. Uh, And in response to that, 
you had China and Russia saying, well, we're going to send troops and we're actually going to send medical supplies. So again, are we having a proxy war the same way we did in Syria, but now in Venezuela? We're not hearing a whole lot more of ISIS. Apparently, Russia and America, they solved all that stuff over there. I guess so, because not really, even if, not really, they didn't really solve anything if ISIS is over here claiming that they carried out the, the Sri Lankan bombing attacks uh, just last week. Uh, but, but you see what I mean. It's this proxy war taking place in, actual, in another country, in another state. Uh, before coming onto the air with you good people, there was an article that surfaced about how, you, how Russia is, is warning the U.S., saying, watch what you're doing in Venezuela because they have interests in there. And that's what America is doing, is we're becoming this empire that's just having our hands in too many pots, and it's becoming very dangerous. But to speak again, over here on the actual, uh, the destabilization that's taking place globally, the people of France, the Yellow Vests, they've had a, they've, they've, they've been still continuing, I don't even know what week they're in now, but they're still continuing, continuing the Yellow uh, Vest protests to try to fight back against the globalization that's taking place. But right here, we have an article from Now the End Begins by Jeffrey Greider. It says, Armageddon rioting breaks out in Paris as extremist black bloc, anti-capitalist demonstrators hijack May Day and Yellow Vest protesters. So while you have people who are fighting anti-globalism, fighting the New World Order, uh, you have people, these black bloc, anti-capitalist extremists, showing up saying, you know what? I like what you guys are doing here. It would be a shame if somebody were to riot and distort your, distort your message. Now, you guys will actually go out there and go see some of the videos that are out there. Uh, and you know how the French are. They get, they get crazy. They have been pelted with, uh, they've been pelted with riot guns. They've been hit with, with, with uh, gas canisters. Like, it's all crazy. Let me get into this article. We put this up May 1st. It says, rioting broke out in Paris today. As thousands gathered for May Day protests dubbed Armageddon, by extremist dirt uh, d demonstrators, dirtbags. Thugs from so-called black bloc anti-capitalist movement were involved in running battles with police soon after 1 p.m. Members of the anti-capitalist agitator group Black Bloc have joined the, the Yellow Vest protesters on the streets of Paris today, resulting in an unbelievable level of rioting, fighting, and violence today as French police struggle to keep the anarchists at bay. President Macron must, beside, must be beside himself at this point, wondering what just what will it take to restore peace to the Paris streets since the citywide protest began back in November of 2018. For those of you that have not been following this story closely, the protest began last year as a reaction to France attempting to impose a climate change tax on their gasoline purchases for their vehicles. You can get a lot of, you can get a lot of liberals in any country to sign on for so-called climate change legislation, but it's a whole other story when you start reaching into people's pockets to pay for it. President Trump was 100% right when he pulled America out of those stupid climate change accords, and the rioting on the streets of Paris is an excellent illustration of just how right he was. Yeah, see, you can always, you can always go for socialism, but you're going to have to fight your way out. You can always vote to become a socialist, but you're always going to have to fight your way out. They're not going to let you go. French authorities announced tight security measures for Mayday demonstrations with the interior minister saying that there is a risk that, quote, radical activists could join anti-government yellow vest protesters and union workers in the streets of Paris across the country. This is and this next part is from the Daily Mail UK. By 2 p.m., there had been 165 arrests in Paris, most were public order offenses related to the rioting. Weapons were also confiscated as the police used tear gas, rubber bullets, and baton charges to try and restore order. Black Bloc, Black Bloc 
activists with their faces covered could be seen leading attacks on officers and smashing up vehicles and shop fronts. The worst early violence was outside La, La, outside La Rotonda, President Emmanuel Macron's favorite restaurant in Montparnisse. So essentially what we're seeing is, is destabilization. The yellow vests apparently are not enough for what the people, for what the Parisians want. They want more. And so now you have these anti-capitalists, these anti-government uh, black bloc extremists. Antifas, you see. I played for you guys just last week about a, uh, a eco-fascist or an eco-activist talking about how he wanted to overthrow capitalism. How that's the point. This is, these are those radical extremists, these are those eco-fascists, these are the green police, these are those people. And this is all part of it, you see. You're the problem. They have the solution. This is that anti-human agenda. This is governmental control. And this is why it's a problem, you see. We have all of these things happening. Julian Assange going away essentially for a year, criminalizing truth and rewarding corruption. Violent uprisings and regime change and destabilization in, in, in Venezuela. The U.S. backing an interim president, as well as President Xi Jinping, saying that, the, that, that the, the youth need to love communism. Can you see the writing that is on the wall? Can you understand where we're going? And that's why they're pushing so hard, because we're only a few years away from Agenda 21 and Agenda 2030. You already see them hyping up the 2020 presidential uh, election simply because of what that means for our country. They're already rolling out all of the people that they need to carry out these agendas. One of the questions I got on Instagram Live from one of, uh, one of our listeners today was, what are my thoughts as far as AOC? <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to say to that. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'll be getting into her and more and how all of this ties in to everything that we see taking place. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. This is Freedom Faction on Factions of Freedom, and we'll be right back right after this. Salutations, my friends. I'm here to talk to you about, that's right, CBD oil. CBD oil can reduce the risk of relapse among alcohol and cocaine addicts, and you know they're trying to flood us with both. According to a 2013 study published in the British Journal of Clinical Pharmacology, CBD was proven to have these benefits, relieving pain and inflammation, having antipsychotic effects, reducing anxiety, helping to fight cancer, relieving nausea, treating seizures, lowering incidences of diabetes, and also promoting cardiovascular health. Realize that in 2014, Purdue Pharma received FDA approval for an opioid drug that claimed to help curb the opioid addiction. This will actually help you curb your usage of opioids, as well as your reliance upon them. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noizera, Freedom Faction, out.
Welcome back. That's right. We're still here. Still in the clear. Still fighting the good fight. And I want to say thank you guys uh, for being here with us while we try to sort this out. We're trying to do the best we can with the resources that we have and the time that we have. But that's not good enough. No, that's not good enough. We're moving, as I said before, we're moving into the era of action. No more lip service. No more talking. Are we being gaslit into this? Clearly, there's, there's, we live in such tremendously glorious times. We're in the eye of the hurricane. We're in the eye of the storm. And where, we're, where we land from here, I think we're all curious. What does the future look like? What did you do yesterday to make your tomorrow better? Do we take the time to ask? Or are we just hoping that somebody else is going to give us what we need? And that's the problem. You see, like, I, I'm, I'm going to say this because I'll probably talk a lot about, you know, communism, socialism and all this stuff throughout this segment. Uh, we, we titled this segment Urban, Urban Warfare uh, because we're going to be getting into, you know, terror plots, civil war, uh, cartel members, AOC and so much more, man. We're, gonna, we're getting into this stuff, you know, back before I was really, I guess, like politically involved or politically, you know, engaged in it, doing anything that I was doing now. Right. Whenever I was still in high school. You know, I wanted to vote for Obama because I was like, yeah, dude, like he's going to give us free college and I don't want to pay for college because that's an arm and a leg, you know, and I and I thought like I, I really did think that like, great, it would be cool to go to college for free because then I could learn all this cool stuff. I really did think that and I was super down for it. I pushed for it uh, and I, I, I liked I liked what I heard. But then I, I, I started waking up. I started doing stuff. I started living. <laughs> I started getting involved. <laughs> And then I realized, look at what that free college got you. I got a buddy of mine, right? Uh, and she's going to, I don't know, she must not be paying attention to anything that we're doing because, well, let's just say she's got an art degree and she's going to Cali. And so I'm like, that is, okay. That's part of the problem is that we have a lot of useless degrees. You know, she comes from a well-off family, great person, uh, but, you know, just not paying attention. Um and, I, and, I, and you guys have heard me talk about this, you know, over the past few episodes is, you know, this whole this whole thing is art is a job. It's not like an education. You can go learn some more stuff to help you become like a better, a better artist or a better photographer or anything in that vein. But no one's going to pay you 
uh, to do what you should be doing naturally because this is who you are. If it's a passion, you're never going to be paid. You're just going to be, you know, rewarded for doing what you're doing, compensated for the for the work that you do. And so it, it's just interesting to see the types of things manifest. And so I, I get it. Free college, uh, everything's hunky-dory. Everything's not hunky-dory. It's hunky-dory when you're not paying attention. That's why they say ignorance is bliss. But that's why it's imperative that we do pay attention to what's actually happening in the generations that come. What happens whenever everything is free? It begins to lose its value. I said this as well on our Instagram story or when I was on the Instagram live with you guys, how that's the ultimate goal. They want to turn us into permanent renters, never own anything because owning alludes to individuality. It, it, it alludes to property. It alludes to you having an individual self, an individual right, and just being free, right? You can't be free if you're forever renting, if you're forever borrowing. That's what this, this new global communism, socialism is going to be. That's what Agenda 21 is. That's what Agenda 2030 is. That's what the new world order is. Right? Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Even more so than we already are. We have had a very, very interesting week. The writing is on the wall. People are fired up. And things are happening. You have Washington State, Rep- uh, Washington State Republican Representative Matt Shea warning the American citizens that civil war is coming to America. And I have a few articles and things to get into later on that confirm just that. But uh, what's going to happen is I'm going to play for you guys this clip and then we'll get into this article from News Punch. Think about that for a second. We're supposed to be the beacon of freedom, right? We're supposed to be the beacon of Christianity, right? But instead, no, we're, we're headed in the wrong direction. And the fact of the matter is that it's because of compromise. And it's not knowing that the communists are training, they're planning, they're organizing, and they're lying in wait. Now, of course, you guys all know you should have an AR-15 and a thousand rounds of ammo, right? Because the Antifa is kicking up and you got to ready to defend, right? Defend why? Defend for when the bad guy comes, right? How many of you have pulled your trigger on your AR-15 in the fight that we're in yet? <coughs> Not one. But there is a fight. Right now, the war is here. The bad guy is here. Yeah. Yeah, pro-American people are considered the bad guys. That's why they tell you no borders, no walls, no USA at all. That's why they tell you America sucks. You suck. This all sucks. America was never great. It's never going to be great. No, there's, no, one's a, no one's legal on stolen land. You see, this is essentially what happens whenever you're getting taken over by a foreign enemy. Right? They got to psychologically, like screw you over so you just so you just you know wave the white flag so you wait for it to happen to you that's that's how this works i was watching um that movie that classic movie uh what was it classic movie and i'm already forgetting having a brain fart uh red dawn with charlie sheen and patrick what's it patrick swayze could have been something else uh but they're talking about in that movie there's a scene right where the where the father's locked up in an internment camp uh, and the sons, you know, they break into the town. They say, Dad, gosh, what happened? What happened? Says, don't worry about it now, son. What's done is done. They got me. But they're looking for you. And so, you know, while they're having this passionate moment, this heart-wrenching moment between the dad and the father, right, you can hear in the background, uh, your mother is a whore. America sucks. You, We will destroy you. They're saying all this stuff, 
right? Essentially to to demoralize you. They've got the father. They've already got the father. They're not, you know, they're not gonna, they're not gonna do anything extra because they already have the older generation. So they have to demoralize the older generation so they can't inspire the next one. That's what's happening now. They are trying to demoralize us by saying America sucks. No one is legal on illegal land. We are coming for you. Embrace communism. Embrace the Chinese. Everywhere else other than America is great. And now I want to pull up for you guys an article on our website, which you get, which you can find in the uh, in the description bar below. I'll, I'll link that in here. We put this up August seventh of two thousand seventeen, two years ago. Armed leftists training as urban guerrillas, practicing executions, kidnapping, armed propaganda, and sabotage. Let's make this more aesthetically pleasing. And it has it even has a PDF, the mini manual of the urban guerrillas. So for two years, these people have been practicing and training because an article came out to this this week about how the FBI caught Antifa trying to buy weapons from the Mexican drug cartels. So why you have you have Hillary Clinton over here saying, hey, guess what? We're going to start working with China. Antifa's like, that's a good idea. Let's start working with the cartel. Let me get into this article. Uh, it says in March 2017, A&P published a two part series on armed leftist groups showing up at pro-Trump rallies in that and in that piece we noted that many of those groups were handing out flyers titled Redneck Revolt where we quoted their own website as stating they quote believe in the right of a militant resistance and quote in the need for revolution and I'll play for you guys a few clips after this that, that confirm this is the mindset that's being propagated out there it's like communism socialism Islam and all kinds of other stuff like this weird amalgamation of stuff that's about to like wave over America, but continuing on, it says, via far-left watch, redneck revolts, organizing principles mirror much of what you would see on any other far-left organizing platform. They begin with their very reasonable, very easy-to-support opposition to, quote, white supremacy. Then they dive into class theory, anti-capitalist, and anti-wealth rhetoric that could have been copied directly from the Communist Manifesto. And finally, they wrap it up with open calls for a militant resistance and revolution. Consider this part three in the full-scale revolution series as we have run across some very disturbing news regarding this redneck revolt group uh, where their communist leanings of anti-capitalism, class warfare, and belief in the need of a revolution by the way of a urban guerrilla warfare includes recommended sources, one of which is titled The Mini Manual of the Urban Guerrillas, which teaches their, quote, 30-plus vetted branches across the country about tactics of warfare, including sabotage, kidnapping, executions, armed propaganda, and terrorism. And right here, I have it up here for you guys. Uh, it's by Carlos, Carlos uh, Marighella. And I'll put all this stuff in the description bar below. He wrote this in 1969. He's the, the leader of the Brazilian guerrilla organization, NLC, uh, ALN, which is the National Liberation Action, uh, the mini-manual of urban guerrillas is probably one of the most famous documents to come out of the guerrilla struggles in Latin America. So, while we're, we're, we're literally talking about that, we're talking about how these people are training to take on the country. And this is an even crazier part. I, like, I, I, guess, I guess I find it crazy, because I'm all down for anarchy and revolution, but if it's for the right thing. And I guess that's where we're at right now. I don't we we're seeing a muddying of waters. That's what I mean by the era of action, the age of activation. People are this is this is essentially what the New Zealand shooter was talking about. The birth rates and the numbers. This is why people are hitting that accel that accelerationist anarchist 
mindset. But right here, this is the article that made me time travel back to find that other article about this right here. This is from uh, Chris Inlow of The Blaze. It says, FBI report says Antifa activists tried to buy weapons from Mexican cartel to stage, quote, an armed rebellion at the border. We put this up April 30th. Now, before I get into this, before I get into this, I have to preface, we do not need violence. If you need violence to get your ideas out there, it's probably not a powerful idea. And this is what I'm saying. You can sign on to communism and socialism, but you're going to have to fight your way out because these people will not let you leave. They will not let you leave. After a certain point, and this is, this is the problem. I thought we should be having, if America is an idea, how come we can't talk about our ideas about where America should go from here? And if your ideas have to be backed up with a weapon, you're the modern day brown shirts. You're a part of the problem. You see, those that make peaceful revolution uh, impossible make violent make violent revolution inevitable. I think this was said by John F. Kennedy. Let me get into this article. It says the FBI investigated anti anti fascist activists who planned to buy weapons from a Mexican drug cartel in order to stage an armed rebellion and so renewed chaos at the southern United States border amid the ongoing crisis there. Documents obtained by the San Diego Union Tribune revealed that the alleged plot and the government's subsequent investigation. What are the details? The FBI document dated December 8, December 2018, detailed an alleged plot where Antifa activists planned to buy weapons from an alleged Mexican cartel gun, gunman, oh, gunman, yeah, from, an, from a gunman alias Cobra Commander in order to, quote, stage an armed rebellion at the border hoping to, quote, disrupt U.S. law enforcement and military security operations at the U.S.-Mexican border, according to the Union Tribune. The FBI learned of the plot while collecting intelligence on American journalists, lawyers, and activists working with the migrants in, Tio in the Tijuana region, a popular destination for migrants heading north from Central America. Now, let me, before I, before I pause there, because there's so much, wow, we, wow, so much stuff to look at. I'm going to I just got back from our border there, right? We are recording part one of the series, and we're going to be taking more trips down there, we're taking a Juarez day trip. Uh, we found we've, we found holes in the actual border to where people can come through. You could drive a semi through this thing. Uh, we know some of the informants in our sources that we talked to, they know when the shift change happens. They know when the people come through. They know the times that people come through, and they also know where they're departing on the other side of the border. So we have to get down there and conduct this type of opposition research and investigation to get this type of stuff out there. The reason I'm doing this stuff is so that we can point out the flaws in the system and fix them. You have people like Antifa and these radical leftists and accelerationists who are saying, screw that, let's just cause problems. We just want to, we just want to stop and disrupt whatever's going on. You see, and I've said this before, and that's the crazy thing because of how many different troops they're sending down there to the border to, to, to monitor and take care of things, right? How long is it until you actually have Antifa liberate some of these camps, liberate some of these detention centers? It doesn't sound crazy or it, it sounds crazy until it doesn't. You see, continuing on, and let me say this one more time because that's why this is important. The FBI learned of the plot while collecting intelligence on American journalists. I don't consider myself a journalist, but I do like chronicling things. So they obviously have access to my phone. Lawyers, we've had lawyers on the show. Activists working with the migrants. 
And that's who I'm communicating with, people who are part of the resettlement process uh, here in Albuquerque and in uh, Rio Rancho, just Santa Fe, just New Mexico in general. I'm finding out that this is, this is a statewide thing. So they're able to pinpoint all that information or gather all of that information and then, boom, come up with this. So they're, they're, they're an activist working with migrants in Tijuana region, a popular destination for migrants heading north from Central America. The six-page document is an, is an information report, not finally evaluated intelligence. The Union Tribute reported, uh, let me read that again. The six-page document is an information report, not an evaluated intelligence, the Union Tribune reported. However, the FBI forwarded the document, which it marked, quote, priority to numerous federal law enforcement agencies, including the Department of Homeland Security, Central Intelligence Agency, the Drug Enforcement Agency, National Security Council, Customs and Border Protection, as well as Immigration and Customs Enforcement. Anything else? Two, ne two people named in the report, Ivan Reibling and Evan Duke, also allegedly plotted to establish Mexican camp to establish camps in Mexico that would be used to train activists to become, quote, Community defense militias. Organizers plan for the camps to be used as staging platforms with, for, from which five-person units would form to train anarchists in fighting, combat, and conducting reconnaissance, and then to launch disruptive U.S. government operations along the border. The, the report stated, according to the, to the Union tri Tribune, however, both men denied involvement. Quote, here I find the government again trying to tie me to some stuff I wasn't involved in. Duke told Union told the Union Tribune, "Yeah, it, it, it's easy to say that that you're not involved, whatever they've already caught you red-handed." And that's that's what I'm talking about. There's more people out there like that, who are doing this. So here again, we have this discussion of hardcore radical left people aligning with uh, not dregs of society, but undesirables of society. And then you have the right over here aligning with the government saying that we need more martial that we need more of the police state we need martial law lock down the borders send the troops down this is dangerous because each side is agitating the other and we're here in the middle not wanting any of it not wanting any of it you see there was recently a terror plot in south in, in, in uh in san diego you know uh, the synagogue shooting and a, 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 a combat vet stopped the shooter said gun control is not the solution what's the solution is you need a good guy with a gun to stop a bad guy with a gun this is why the Democrats are pushing for full gun control why they want to repeal the Second Amendment because if they can eliminate your guns right they can take those guns give them to the cartel Antifa can buy them then use those guns against you they want to be able to disarm the public so that they are unable to fight back that's like it's it's getting hot and heavy in here. It is getting hot and heavy here in America. We are literally at the point where we're talking about deep civilization, civil unrest, uh uh you name it. Civil war. We are in the preliminary stages of civil war in this country. And I remember still reading the tea leaves saying I don't want to become a wartime podcast. I don't want to do this type of stuff during wartime but the war is coming home you see that's the dangerous thing the war is coming to your front's doorstep and you can no longer hide from it that's the dangerous part it's becoming so overwhelming and so 
chaotic that they're literally uh, that they that it, that it's come here. You see, and now we're literally going to have to fight our way out of it. We are going to have to fight for whatever sliver, <laughs> whatever sliver of 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 Americana we can have left. You see, you have Ilhan Omar saying that um, America is no longer going to be a country for white people. And we don't touch race over here on the show. But this is, again, what the New Zealand shooter was talking about with the Great Replacement and the birth rates. White people, what Caucasians, Caucasian Americans are being phased out here in America. And so that's, and in, in doing so, they're going to, they're doing a lot of things to, to, to set this, this stage up. And that's why I'm, I'm apprehensively approaching this because it's very, very dangerous. Uh, when you, like I said, when you have Antifa working with the cartels, that's some really serious stuff. I asked you guys this uh, the other day on Fellowship and Freedom. I said, it's good that we're having uh, the Crips, the Bloods, and the Latin Kings squash their beef because what happens when you have MS-13, La Raza, ISIS, and what other gangs that we don't know come up here in America and try to start stealing turf? Try to start stealing areas and land and stuff like that. I was watching this show called uh, True Detective, and there was a scene where uh, the lady cop was driving down the street. She goes past a foreman's office, and she says she makes the comment of seventy thousand people come here. This town has a daily influx of seventy thousand people. Where are they going? And from our estimates, we're getting about fifteen hundred people uh, a week, and this is just documented people here that I'm that I'm able to you know. Talk to people who are seeing these people. We get about 1,500 people a week here in New Mexico. Where are these people going? Some of them are staying here. Some of them are being shipped to New York. Some of them are being shipped to California, to the coastal regions. And we'll, we'll talk about that as well. Uh, the homelessness crisis and, and all this stuff because it, it, it plays a huge part in this. This is the multicultural agenda. So when you have people saying no borders, no walls, no USA at all, you, what you're essentially saying is we're going to, what, what they're saying is we're going to invade America. We're going to kill you. And then we're going to replace America when they're saying that there's the no one's legal on soul and land. This is what they're saying. They're going to come back and take it. They, it. It's a literal psychological mind game that we're up against. So when I'm saying that we have American gangs like they're American, like the, the, the Crips, the Bloods and the Latin Kings and the bikers, the Hells Angels and whoever else, you know, what happens whenever they have to they they have to go against the other uh, undesirables of societies? The so-called rebels, or the you, you you see, the rogues, the vagabonds of society. That's a whole other thing. You thought Venezuela, you, you thought what was happening in Venezuela is bad. We're about to have something else over here. Really, let me pull up this video for you guys. It's it's, it's got no audio, uh, but I'm going to go ahead and play it and describe it for our audio listeners, so we can so we can get all this stuff on on uh on record. But this comes only a few weeks after Yuma, Arizona has declared a state of emergency. There's a new video that shows illegals flooding into Arizona. You can find this on our on our Instagram page. Currently, it has 34,000 views. Uh, we put this up April 30th. It says, new surveillance video released by U.S. Customs and Border Protection reveals the moment when a group of 111 migrants crossed, into Ari- crossed the border into Arizona. The video was shared on, on social media by CBP. Uh, the parent agency of the U.S. Border Protection or U.S. Border Patrol, 
The short video features thermal imaging to capture the 111 migrants from Central America crossing from Sonora on Sunday night. As Breitbart News reported, U.S. Border Patrol and CBP continue to see a rising number in apprehensions of migrants, primarily from Central America, intending to request asylum. The most recent statistics show authorities apprehended, and here we go, okay, here we go, 396,579 who entered the country illegally from October 2018 to March of 2019. So I'm going to go ahead and read that number again to you guys. That was 396,579 illegal migrants apprehended since October to today. During a recent visit to the border, acting DHS Secretary Kevin McAllen stated that the cartels in Mexico and their human smugglers are largely to blame for the ongoing crisis and are the ones making handsome profits from the current asylum laws. Quote, it is very clear that the cartels are sm and their smugglers know the weakness in our laws. McAllen said during, the, during his visit, they know that the family units and unaccompanied children will be released with no consequences for their illegal entry. Yeah, this is a full-blown operation. This is a full-blown thing. This trip, we weren't on... During our trip down to the border, we were unable to actually get footage of people crossing, uh, but we actually did get footage of the actual border and show some of the, you know, some of the problems with the actual fencing and, the, and, and, and how it's set up. These asylum seekers, you know, like just, I think it was just last week I played for you guys the video of the mother and her child being escorted through barbed wire, or through the border uh, by armed traffickers. You know, and some of the people I'm talking to <laughs> that, that see these people, they're either tired, like there's that. That's why this is so crazy, because you have people who are illegally coming in and then you have people who are legally coming in. And then you have people who, who are just kind of somewhere in the middle. And it's just it's it's mind blowing to see all of this happen. Uh, and people don't think that this is like an ongoing issue. That's that's my big thing. You see, the whole idea behind all of this. Let me see if I can get this up for you guys is to. This is a this is a strategy. It's called Cloward and Piven, right? And the idea is to overwhelm the overwhelm the 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 the, the systems, the court, right? Let me see if I can pull up this article right here. And this is uh this is at the Blaze at their actual website. Yeah, and this is back in 2014. They wrote this article. And, I, and, I, and I'm pretty sure they'll do a, break, a great breakdown of it. Uh, but it talks about how the Cloward and Piven strategy is alive and well at the border. And so in, 19, in a 1966 article in Nation, Richard Andrew Cloward and Francis Fox Piven, sociology professors at Columbia University, wrote that capitalism should be collapsed by overloading the government with financial demands that could not be met. The strategy is to collapse the financial system. The tactic is chaos. If a crisis does not exist, create one. The more chaos, the better. The solution is always couched in, in empathic words like fair, equal, humane, and just. Women and children look through a box of clothes that were donated by volunteers at a great house. I'm, I'm sure they're talking about a, a, a picture. Yeah, right there. Uh, but in 1967, Cloward and Piven founded the National Welfare Rights Organization to increase the numbers of people on the welfare rolls through a through a series of sit-ins, demonstrations, picket lines, and occasional rock-throwing, smashed glass, glasses, and broken furniture, they succeeded beyond their wildest dreams. By 1970, there was one person 
there was one person on welfare in New York City for every two working in the private sector. The city declared bankruptcy in 1975. Project Vote was formed to organize the voters' rights movement to take up the unfinished business of the 1965 Voters' Right Act. ACORN and Human Serve were formed to expand the work of the National Welfare Rights Organization. Those three organizations began lobbying for motor voter laws to swamp our voter rolls with names that would never vote, but with but whose names would be on the rolls so others could go vote in, in their stead. When Bill Clinton signed the bill in 1993, the Cloud and Piven were standing right behind him. Essentially what they're trying to say is just that. Every, everything that we keep talking about, how they want to overload the system, they want to bring in a certain class of people so that they have a... a, a so that they have a permanent voting block. This is this is what we've always talked about. This is this is it. They want to overwhelm it. They want to have those three hundred and ninety-six thousand people that came in from just a few months time frame because they know Americans won't vote. They know Americans don't care about the judicial system. They know Americans are so radicalized and Snapchat and Game of Thrones out that they just don't care. They know that. And so here's here's what happens, okay? Now we're finally getting to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I feel like I made you guys wait. <laughs> I feel like I made you wait long enough uh, to actually get into this. I didn't mean to, 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 to go on that much of a rant. But uh, somebody had asked me on Instagram Live, you know, my thoughts about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And I'll tie this in uh, because, you know, this is, this is how it all works. She says, I don't care if you're documented or undocumented. That's how this works. If they want to overload the system with people who are documented and undocumented, with the people that I'm talking to who are part of the resettlement and the transportation process, they're saying that these people who are coming here legally, they are being given uh, ankle bracelets and folders full of their information, and then they're being released where he where uh, he doesn't know. Now, that's one person. The other person I'm talking to, they're saying that they're, that they're given that, that, uh, that George Soros debit card from MasterCard and that they're given all this type of stuff. Where are they getting this money from? And on top of that, you have to ask the question, if they hate the country that they left for so long, if they, if they hate that country, why are they sending money back there? You see, you remember like a few years ago how we heard that it was always military-age men coming into the country? Well, those are the sponsors of those people who are coming over now, right? They had two years to get settled up here, and I think that's how like the, the, the program works. They have to act independently for two years they have to pass like a certain qualifications test and then, you know, they can begin the, the citizenship prog uh, uh, process. That's what's happening. So when Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez says, I don't care if you're documented or undocumented, she's specifically talking to a certain sect of the population that is going to vote in her vein. Let me play for you the, this clip and then I'll get into my feelings on her afterwards. And so that is the current status of our legal documented path. It is completely unjust. And so the whole legal system right now and the way that the president is choosing to administer and grind all, all, all of the agencies to a halt that process legal forms of, of immigration is forcing people into the shadows and he is creating undocumented populations in the United States. And then they are being targeted and their rights are being violated. So that's what's actually going on. And so especially in this moment, First of all, I believe in human rights. I don't care. I don't care. 
I don't care if you're documented. I don't care if you're undocumented. I don't care if you're out here. I don't care if you're in Rikers. I believe in your fundamental human rights. Fundamental human rights. And yeah, so me too. That and that's why I feel like we should get these people better care. If we really wanted maximum care and we truly cared about the actual welfare of these people and their human rights, we would make sure that they went through the actual process and were given everything they needed. We wouldn't just do the lip service, Alexandria. And so somebody asked me on the Instagram Live earlier this morning, they said, Freedom, how do you feel about AOC? And I had to check myself because, well, I always, I have to. I don't want to just say rude profanities. I have to, you know, casually approach these types of things professionally. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was put in there to be a disruptor. And I say this because she has to go in there and say all the kinds of crazy stuff the same way Bernie did so that they can inject certain viewpoints into the narrative, right? That's why you have off of, playing off of Alexandria's AOC's Green New Deal. You have New York Mayor Bill de Blasio talking about New York's Green New Deal. And I predict that other states such as California, uh, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, and all kinds of other states are going to begin adopting their own versions of the Green New Deal. So what do I think about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? They, they found her. We played for you guys the clip. It's still on our Instagram TV where you can go listen to it, where they talk about how they ran essentially a campaign and a number of algorithms and formulas to find people like her. They had to get this, 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 this chick, this lady, who would say some of the most outlandish things that are all in the vein of the United Nations uh, Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, and Agenda 2050, the sustainable development the technocracy, the scientific dictatorship, they had to get somebody who 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 was likable, it, somebody that was relatable. I think we all know an Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, some girl that's just talking at her, her rear end, but doesn't believe a word she's saying. So they have to get that out there so that they can inject the talking points of the Green New Deal, of immigration, of human rights. You see. And so this plays into what I want to be talking about with you next to kind of close out this segment for you guys. Now, I already talked about the, the illegals crossing into the country and how now Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying, I don't care if you're documented or if you're undocumented. We just want you here. They want them there because that is a specific voting block. That's people that they can continually control. I talked about this on uh, Fellowship and Freedom. It was LBJ, President Lyndon B. Johnson, who talked about keeping uh, keeping keeping black people voting Democrats for 200 years. And, I, and he says, quote, I'm going to keep them niggers voting Democrat for 200 years. Now, I don't think it was 200 years that we still been voting Democrat, but people are waking up to it. You see what I'm saying? And because African-Americans are waking up to it, they're beginning to divest with their dollars. They're beginning to practice group economics. They're beginning to wake up to what was done to them. I spoke about this whenever George Bush Sr. died. George Herbert Walker Sr. died. I said, thanks for the crack cocaine in the black community. We don't need that stuff now. But you see, that's what it is. I, I, I said this as well, looking at what's going on with the border and what these people will bring. What will uh, Saudi Arabian drugs taste like? What will El Salvadorian drugs taste like? What will it do? Because these people are not used to the nine and five like America is, right? What they're used to is running these quick hits, doing some shady stuff, and getting by for a few weeks to a month. That 9 to 5, going to go punch your clock, having that safety and that security, that job security, that's going out the window. 
Because on top of that, too, these people are coming up here. They want to work. Where are they going to work whenever you have Amazon taking over everything and we're moving towards automation? There's so many different, so many different things that this comes with. But don't worry. That's why they have Andrew Yang, that presidential candidate, talking about his freedom dividends. He thinks, and this is this is how it all works. They see the automation's coming, job number, the uh, uh, employment's going to go down, or going it's, to it's, unemployment's going to go up, employment's going to go down, and they're going to see what happens when we start rolling out the robots. People won't have jobs. People won't have passions. People won't have a, a place to put their energy. Uh, they're not going to have the access to, to voice their opinions on social media. We already see the, censor, the censorship happening. Do you see how this is a recipe for what they think of as control, but all they want to control is chaos? But what comes from that? Order ab chaos. That's why we have to pay attention to the conspiracies and the Illuminati. Uh, but right here, I want to I finish this segment up with you guys talking about this because this is just the craziness of it all. Right here. Pentagon approves $7.4 million for troops to feed and care for border crossers. And that was from the Daily Sheeple. Uh, this next one is from Kyle Hunt of the Renegade Tribune. It says Pentagon approves 320 troops to babysit illegal border crossers. It says, and we, and we put this up April 30th. And this is by Sean Walton of the Daily Sheeple. It says the Pentagon plans to take a more active role in the border crisis, but not stop it. The Department of Defense announced Monday that it is planning to spend $7.4 million on a troop mission at the United States-Mexico border that includes feeding and caring for migrants and border crossers. The mission will involve sending 320 more U.S. troops heading to the, to, heading to the southern border to help uh, Customs and Border Protection and the Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents take care of migrants who have crossed the U.S. border. Department of Defense officials described the Department of Homeland Security request for more aid for migrants as necessary in dealing with the humanitarian crisis at the southern border. So they're sending 320 troops at $7.4 million down there to the border to say deal with this. I, I should have calculated how many troops that they had already sent down there, but it's beginning to be a full-blown mission. I have some buddies that signed up for the National Guard uh, a few months ago, they're already down there. They're already down at the border deployed. They thought they were going to be able to go to school part-time and then, you know, do the weekend warrior thing. Nope, they're on full-time deployment down there at the border. So what does that mean? You got Antifa over here working with the cartel, buying weapons off of them so that they can't be traced back to, back to them. You know, because if you buy a gun these days, you're going to have to register it and, and get it into the system. They're, they're buying illegal guns to stage an armed conflict on the border. That's what I mean by urban warfare. That's what I mean by, like, global destabilization. You see, you've got to look at what these people are trying to do. They are literally setting us up for some kind of conflict. And I've told you what the end result is. Martial law, control, lock it down. And if you think that's bad, where, do you, where, where will it go from there? Things are heating up in this country, and that's why I'm telling you guys, we have to stay vigilant. But at the same time, we have to ask the question, are we being gaslit into a position that we can't back out of? They're, they're greasing the tracks. We just have to ask ourselves if we're ready to get on board with what they're doing. But what's going to happen, gang, is we're going to take a quick break from all of this crazy insanity and come back talking about more insanity. We're going to be talking about... Uh, uh, thousands of students in Virginia identifying as uh, transgender 
Apparently, there's been a massive herpes outbreak at Coachella, <laughs> and, a, and a Oxford University professor has claimed that aliens are here, and that they're breeding with humans. We're going to be getting into all kinds of strange things to close out this actual episode, because indeed, things are hot. But ladies and gentlemen, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back, right after this. Salutations, my friends. Have you heard of Shilajit? Well, to be quite honest, neither had I. But then I started doing some research and I found out that it was part of the Hindu Ayurvedic system of medicine. And for hundreds of years since its discovery, it's had the potential to help people live a healthy and balanced life. Here, let me read off some of the benefits for you guys. It increases your energy, boosts your libido, balances your mood, supports healthy aging, decalcifies your pineal gland, and we all understand how important that is, supports healthy brain health. Uh, it also helps regulate your hormones. There are so many benefits to taking this that I cannot put them in this single video. You can mix it in with tea. Uh, I like to mix it in with my pre-workout in the morning and be careful, it's gonna give you that boost. It's going to give you that energetic boost you need to get through your day. And remember, guys and gals, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction. That's my UFO as I land, coming in hot, like fire. Hot, like the back swole of the most beautiful girl. Oh, hey, salutations. We're back. So, yeah, you know, I, uh, that last segment, right? Pretty crazy. Um, and that's, that's, that's what we have to do. We've got to compartmentalize it. We've got to meet it head on. We've got to look at these things. Call it what it is. We can't just see it. Like the, the, the time frame that we're in right now, we, can't, we, can't, we cannot deceive ourselves and we cannot allow for ourselves to be deceived. And these are two different things. And the deception is very real these days. The manipulation is, is crazy. It truly is. 
um, well, I, I'm, I'm stoked for the future, but I worry at the same time. You know, I, I say this all the time. They already got me. Whatever issues I already have that I'm not try- that I don't work through, they already got me. That's why we have to make a better world for the coming generation, and that's why we have to start. We have to stand now. We have to fight. We have to believe in something, even if it means believing in something greater than yourself. But that shouldn't be hard, or at least you would think not. Uh, but let's get into this segment. Actually, before I do, I want to make a quick plug uh, because we are going to be getting into some kind of spiritual, esoteric, cool stuff over here. I want to make a quick plug uh, for the 10-day jungle retreat that we're going to be doing with Nate Max. I'll put the link for that in the description bar below so you guys can go check it out. Um, I'm really fired up for it. You can also go hear the interview that we conducted with Nate, uh, Ken, and Julie about their actual retreat that they're going to be doing uh, in Bali, Indonesia at the Island of the Gods. Uh, and it's good because you're talking about the Matrix Reset. Now, in our, la- in our last episode, we talked about worshiping the Earth and how we're worshiping creation and not the Creator. I think it's imperative to understand all of these things so you can have an appreciation for every single part of it. So yeah, definitely go check that out. I'll put the link for that in the description bar below as well as the Fellowship and Freedom episode we did with Rob of Truth and Vibration. We talked about so much stuff that I just want to plug those things because they're essentially what we're talking about here, just expounded upon. So with this segment, titled Opening the Doorways, I wanted to talk about how it's our mindset and it's our perception and it's our current culture that's kind of embracing, not necessarily occultism, esotericism, what have you, Uh, But so many other, the Bible talks about this, it's the falling away, embracing so many other teachings and and, and things that it it truly is fascinating to see it all take place. I wish there was like a spiritual studies class, Uh, but continuing on to start the segment right here, four schools in Northern Virginia, in Northern Virginia, uh, claim that, quote, thousands of students in Virginia public schools identify as transgender. We put this up April 30th. It's by Ricky Scaparo of End Times Headlines. It says, Four schools in Northern Virginia claim there are thousands of students in Virginia, public schools, who identify as transgender and should be allowed to use whatever bathroom they choose. The Washington Post reports that the Alexandria, Arlington, Falls Church, and Fairfax County School boards filled a friend-of-the-court brief on behalf of Gavin Grimm, a biological girl who sued her school board in in Gloucester County, Virginia in 2015 after being denied access to the boys' restroom. Uh, Grimm claimed that Gloucester Gloucester County violated the Title IX and the Equal Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. The Obama administration declared that Title IX, which in the 1972 prohibited discrimination in schools, quote, on the basis of sex, also included gender identity. Grimm's case made it to the Supreme Court, but was returned to a lower court after the Trump administration abandoned the Obama-era rule on transgender students. Now, Grimm's class is scheduled for a trial in July at the U.S. District Court of Eastern District of Virginia. The four school boards who came to Grimm's defense shot down fears that allowing students to use whatever bathroom they choose would violate other students' privacy and make them vulnerable to sexual misconduct. Quote, male students, teachers, and parents have not used the policy as a ruse to improve to improperly access female restrooms. Sex offenders have not exploited the policy to prey on children, the school board said. Instead, they argued, 
It is transgender students who have suffered stigma and trauma. However, the policy has come under fire from critics ranging from conservative Christians to radical feminists. Kara Dansky from the, Liban, from the Women's Liberation Front told Fox News host Tucker Carlson in 2017 that women are made vulnerable by these kinds of bathroom policies. Quote, we think that women and girls are a meaningful category worth of civil rights protection. She said, quote, if we define sex under Title IX to mean gender identity, what we're essentially saying is that women and girl can mean anyone who self-identifies as women and girl, which makes the category women and girls meaningless as a category. And so I'll be honest with you, a lot of what I heard right there is gobbledygook. What I'm hearing is men want to be men and women want to be women, and we're going to find the laws to do so. We're going to let we're going to let men go into the little girl's bathroom. We're going to let girls go into the little guy's bathrooms. And in California, you already have them talking about what it's like kinder. It's like kinder, kinder gender. Oh, my God. You know, it's 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 pedophilia. Let's just call it what it is. It's sexual perversion. Uh, and 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 where do you think these people are going to go from there? You know, what happens whenever and I've said this before, what happens whenever you have some of these little prostitutes? try to come on to you okay and that's going to be a very serious thing that's why they're trying to push for adults to have sex with children because they are hypersexualizing children they are robbing them of their innocence robbing them of their virginity robbing them of their divinity saying you know what we're just going to go ahead and give you we're just going to go ahead and molest you i feel like that's beyond dangerous like beyond dangerous and now in response to that and, and, and this is this is how it's crazy it is. They have us doing this type of crazy stuff where we just like scramble our own brains, and then you have people like Bill Maher and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez saying that people just shouldn't have kids. He said this on his show Real Time with Bill Maher, saying that Earth would be better if people just you know did not have kids and they die or stay dead. And finally, new rule, let's take a break from bashing millennials for their safe spaces, man buns, and avocado toast. And give them credit for doing something right. Having less sex than other generations, and so less babies, which is good for the planet. Every week, it seems, there is a new study about how little sex millennials are having. But instead of asking why America's young people are having less sex, let's just be glad they are. Earth Day is coming up, and I can't think of a better gift to our planet than pumping out fewer humans to destroy it. People talk... People talk a lot about bringing a cloth bag to the market and driving electric, but the great under-discussed factor in the climate crisis is there are just too many of us, and we use too much shit. Climate deniers like to say, there's no population problem, just like a... And finally, new rule, yeah. let's take... Yeah, so I, I hope you guys go check that out. That video currently has 20,780 views on our page. But here we go, we hear this. We hear this, this, uh, this ideology being pushed out there. Humans are bad. The earth, is, the, earth, the earth would be better without us. You have this ideology being put out there that, we, that your actions, you were the problem. And if you don't stop what you're doing, you're going to kill the earth. Man, the earth has been here before. Get out of here. Earth has been here longer than you, Bill Maher. Long, longer than you, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. Longer than the birth striker movements. Longer than social media. But what world do we live in 
where we're having less sex, but more perversions. You're letting children, like, literally become molested. And it, it just, it blows my mind. It truly does blow my mind. Uh, we recently had Earth Day come up, and I had talked to you guys about that as well. You know, how that is that whole government-created uh, holiday that essentially just tells you still that you're bad and that we need to clean up the earth. And I, I think I have a pro I have a problem with this because these are inherent things that people need to come to realization with so they can work on their own impact and change themselves up. But whenever it becomes this kind of fascist ideology that you're bad, right. And that we're, we're creating all these issues. It's like, you're, you're, you're truly only looking at things in your certain time slot in the chronology of events in the larger scale of events. This is, it's, 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 it's minute compared to everything else, but that's how it works. The same way they want to tell all African-Americans that they're slaves. You're choosing one part of history to say that this is bad, that, that, that we're condoning this, or that we're, that we're not condoning this, that we're putting this down, you see. And that's what's dangerous about it. We're, we're moving into this time space to where we listen to everybody else other than ourselves. We listen to everything else other than ourselves, you see. And this is, I guess I shouldn't be too surprised, but, you know, this is how it works. This is how it works. You know, and so to, to start the pivot into start talking about some of the cool stuff, you know, people are doing, people are doing these types of things because they want to come into contact with something of the divine within themselves. A lot of people do these things because they're not content in themselves. And so they want to begin to know themselves a little bit deeper, uh, but a lot of a, a lot of the, the stuff that's going on with the transgender stuff, I know these are people that don't feel comfortable in their bodies. And then you have society promoting a certain type of thing as well. There's so many different issues with this that that we are opening up the doorway for so many more issues to come through. What happens? And I've I've, I've said this little this analogy on the show before as well. What happens when little Jenny, who was Jimmy, wants to go back to Jimmy? What kind of psychological hoops does that person have to jump through? What kind of hormone treatment? You can't regrow something that's been chopped off. And so there's there's a lot of things that I have a problem with uh, doing this. And this is all private stuff, really. If you ask me at the end of the day, whichever bathroom people should use, the gender that they, they feel comfortable with, this is all private stuff, private, personal, uh, sexual stuff that people really shouldn't be voicing. And the minute that it becomes public, that's whenever we have opinions and we're allowed to operate on these types of things. Now, speaking on opinions... Being out there in the public and gender, well, recently we had Coachella <laughs> and apparently there has been a massive herpes outbreak at Coachella. So imagine that you're going there to have a great time. You see all these he, she's and she, him's and she's, jurors and whichever uh, word I didn't use. That's the most modern, politically correct way to say somebody that's not comfortable with them. You're going to this rave, right? You're seeing all these people dressed up and you, 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 you just go get some water. Then you get this little bump on your mouth and you're like, what is that thing? You just get hurt. You just got hurt. <laughs> you just got herpes. There have been, I'm, I'm just going to play for you guys this, this report. There have been a, a record number of reports of measles of, a uh, of herpes outbreaks at Coachella. So you got measles popping off over there in New York. Herpes happening over here in California. Oh, but we all need to get the shot. 
We also have another health alert for you, this one for Coachella attendees. There is a record-setting surge in herpes being reported around this year's concert series. A website that diagnoses and treats herpes says that cases skyrocketed in towns surrounding the music festival. That includes Los Angeles and San Diego, where many of those concert goers live. The website reports that between the two weekends of Coachella, they saw 250 cases per day. Wow. And that is a record. Wow. 250 cases per day. So, you know, what happens whenever you have hyper, a hypersexualized generation that just wants to have a whole bunch of sex? They remove love. They remove compassion. They remove understanding, understanding, overstanding. Well, I'll tell you what they do. They end up doing everything that Bill Maher and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez want them to do. They begin to have all the sex with no love. They begin to stop having less kids, having no kids at all. Because marriage is archaic, because traditional home values are archaic, free love. Everybody should be able to love everybody. Nobody owns anything. You see how this is that mindset still propagating out there, opening up the doorways. You see, you, you, you can't really be the salt of the earth if you, if you really keep sugarcoating everything. And that's the problem is we're sugarcoating everything and nobody's getting any of the sustenance that's required. You see. So with the time that we have, I have like three articles I want to go over with you guys, if we can. We're talking about uh, energy healing, aliens breeding with humans, and how CERN would essentially be the, the opening up the gateway. Now, because that, that, that CERN article I find is so fascinating, we're going to go ahead and jump into that so it can set the stage so people understand what's coming from the other side, both not necessarily physically, but spiritually and multidimensionally. And I, I talk about this all the time uh, because people need to understand that there is a more spiritual aspect to what's going on. So when you're going to those raves, you are spiritually having sex with everyone there. You are spiritually getting it on. And so you can't be surprised when you come home and you got the hurt, you know. Uh, you know, when they tell you that there's chemicals in the air that you're feeling tonight. Well, yeah, people are taking ecstasy. They're taking molly. Uh, they're taking, they're taking ketamine. They're taking whatever kind of designer drugs out there. It's entering their system. They're sweating it. It's evaporating. That's for sure. Drugs in the air. But let's talk about what's not seen. Let's talk about what is strange. This is an article from uh, Sequoia Kennedy from Mysterious Universe. We put this up April 23rd. It says the Large Hadron Collider scientists reveal that a new plan to trap dark matter says that the Higgs boson may be a portal to the dark world. And to correlate this, to show that other people had caught it, I combined it with this article from Skywatch TV. At the University of Chicago, CERN Stargate's Higg boson discovery could be tied to the portal of the dark world. We put this up April 25th. It says, now that, the, that they've identified the Higgs boson, scientists at the Large Hadron Collider have set their sights on an even more elusive target. All around us is dark matter and dark energy. The invisible stuff that binds the universe and the galaxy together. But no, but no one has been able to direct, has directly detect it. Quote, We know for sure that there's a dark world and there's more energy out the, in it there, than there is in ours, said Leon Tao Wang, a University of Chicago professor of physics who studies how to find signals in large particle accelerators like the LHC. Wang, along with scientists from the university and UC... U, U Chicago affiliated Fermi Lab think they may be able to lead us to its tracks. In a paper published April 3rd in Physical Review Letters, they laid out an innovative method of stalking dark matter in the LAC by exploding a potential particle's slightly slower speed. 
While the dark world makes up more than 95% of the universe, scientists only know it exists from its effects. Like a poltergeist, you can only see when it pushes off when it pushes something off of a shelf. For example, we know there's a we know there's dark matter because we can see gravity acting on it. It helps keep our galaxies from flying apart. Theorists think that there's one particular kind of dark particle that occasionally interacts with normal matter. It would be heavier and long-lived than other known particles with a lifetime of up to a tenth of a second. A few times in a decade, researchers believe that the particle can get caught up in the collisions of protons that the LHC is constantly creating and measuring. Quote, one particularly interesting possibility is that these long-lived dark particles are coupled to the Higgs boson in some fashion. That the Higgs is actually a portal to the dark world, said Wang, referring to the last holdout particle in the physicist's grand theory of how the universe works, discovered in, at the LHC in 2012, quote, it's possible that the Higgs could actually decay into these long-lived particles. The only problem is sorting out these events from the rest. There are more than 1 billion collisions per second in the 27-kilometer LHC, and each one of these sends a subatomic chaff spraying in all directions. And if you guys go to the actual article, you can go find uh, the link that shows you the studies and some of the other things surrounding that. And what I what I wanted to do to try to illustrate that, because for some strange reason I have this fascinating with this this fascination with uh, dark matter and whatever that means. It's the same way that they say that we have junk DNA. I don't think it's junk DNA. I just think it's stuff that we haven't learned to comprehend yet. Uh, the same way that we're just now moving into that time frame of of talking about quantum computing and quantum mechanics and quantum physics and how indeed we are all tied together. What they're saying is that the Higgs boson could be that port that that particle that essentially dissolves into that ethereal spiritual stuff into that dark matter that we can't see, and so part of me is like so so what you're saying is that we can be traced as we move into this disillusion or to, to this disseminated state. I find that so fascinating, but if that's the case, that must mean that it can also work in reverse, like Nikola Tesla says with the, the luminiferous ether how we're able to pull stuff from that ether, the aether, into here, the manifestation. One such thing being this, a new study that finds changes in the cancer cells when exposed to energy healing. Now, one of our favorite documents, and I don't know if it talks about this so much as, uh, as, I, as I do, uh, Aaron Walia of Collective Evolution, we put this up April 30th, but one of the documents I carry around all the time is Agenda, tw or is a, <laughs> clearly Agenda 21, uh, but Project Grillflame. Project Sunstreak, Project Centerlane, uh, and Project Stargate. And in this, they talk about Karelian photography. It's the ability to take a photo of your hand, per se, right? And it's able to see the light emittance of it. And if you go into detail or you go listen to uh, any, I think, either part one or part two, which Adam Nix and J.C. Abbott of the Wayfinder podcast, I go into depth about that uh, and how they, they begin to practice energy point healing, finger healing. It's like uh, the Christian the Christian uh, practice of laying on the hands and then praying. That's essentially what energy healing is. But if that's the case, are we acting as the vector point for that healing, for that healing energy to where we can redirect it? Let me get into this article. It says a question that's become more prominent within mainstream scientific circles is whether or not the mind can affect matter. The connection between human consciousness or factors associated with the human consciousness, such as intention, thoughts, feelings, and emotions, and the physical realm is fascinating. This is precisely why nearly all the founding fathers of quantum physics were so preoccupied with learning more about consciousness and non-material science in general. For instance, 
The theoretical physicist, physicist who originated quantum theory, Max Planck, regarded, quote, consciousness or consciousness as fundamental and matter as a derivative from consciousness. Now, before I before I continue on, because that's just so powerful to think about. That's what I'm saying. When they're saying at the University of Chicago with CERN that the Higgs boson is the part is the is 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 the portal. Are we the portal? Right. If matter is is a derivative of consciousness, are we creating some of this? Are we creating the energy healing that is taking place on the body? Are we creating the society? Are we creating the conditions? Oh, oh, so fascinating. So, so fascinating. Nerdgasm. Continuing on, it says Eugene Wigner, another famous theoretical, theoretical physicist and mathematician, also emphasized, quote, it was not possible to formulate the laws of quantum mechanics in a fully consistent way without reference to consciousness. A paper published in the peer-reviewed journal Physics essay uh, by Dean Radin, Ph.D., explains how this experiment has been used multiple times to explore the role of consciousness in shaping the nature of physical reality. The paper showed that the meditators were able to collapse quantum systems at a distance through intention alone. Quote, observations not only disturb what has to be measured, they produce it. We compel the electron to assume a, def a definite position. We ourselves produce the results of the measurement. There are, there are literally countless studies within the realms of parapsychology and quantum physics that make it quite clear that human thought, intention, and overall human consciousness has some sort of relationship with our physical material world. That is not what's in question. What's in question is the nature of that relationship and how strong this effect is. There is still so much dis to discover. And then it goes on uh, to to it goes on to explain it, and I really wish you guys would go check it out. But essentially, what we're talking about is just just so much beautiful stuff. Here, I'll read a little bit of this. Uh, in 1967, researchers at the Institute of Space Medico Engineering, as mentioned in the CIA document earlier in the article, publicized a fraction of their work in the form of a film showcasing their work and what they had accomplished. The film showed a, med a medicine pill moving through an irreversibly sealed glass vial, which occurred in three frames of a 400 frame per second. Another release about Zhang from the CIA research into paranormal abilities to break through spatial barriers states, quote, a wooden cabinet, 100 by 180 120 by 180 by 60 centimeters was used as a sealed container. Sheets of paper and boards with one kind of marking, one kind of marking were used to target objects and place inside the cabinet on the upper shelf. Without damaging the cabinet or opening the door, the person with ESP was able to move or was able to remove the target objects and was also able to put them back inside. This demonstrates that even when using especially large containers, it is possible to com to completely break through spatial barriers. However, the success rate was much lower and was exceptionally difficult. You guys can find more of that actual article on our on our on our page. Uh, it has the the articles, the article link with the source links and the and the studies and everything. The one thing I love about collective evolution is that they do their research and they will show you where they're getting these types of things. Right now, this article or this post has four thousand two hundred thirty-two likes on our page, and you can go find it there. And lastly, just to trip you out, so we can close this out. And start thinking about even more strange things as we go about our lives. Ladies and gentlemen, an Oxford University professor has claimed that aliens are here and breeding with humans. Dr. Young Hae Chi teaches at the Oxford University. He teaches Korean. 
But nonetheless, he still teaches. And he's allowed to think about these types of things. He's entitled to everything. He, he's, he's allowed to say these types of things. I find it fascinating whenever people within academia do say these types of things. Now, I'm sure I'm going to reference this more as it pops up, if anything else happens with it. But the hybridization project is very real. And I come, I've come into where we are at now, looking at the political, the economics, esoteric. I've, I've come into where we are at now from that paranormal supernatural aspect. And so when we start talking about aliens and alien abductions and military abductions and, the, and, and genomes and biohacking and transhumanism, this is my bread and butter. This is, this is, I understand these things. What I'm trying to say is that the hybridization program has been going on for quite some time. Uh, and, the, and for people who are curious as to what the hybridization program is, there's a theory amongst conspiracy theorists and UFO researchers and paranormal investigators that during the alien abductions, whenever these people see UFOs and they get abducted, that they experience missing time. And during these missing times, whenever they have hypnotic regressions uh, with Dr. David M. Jacobs or uh, Bud Hopkins, rest is you know rest in rest in peace, uh, or any of these other people who have helped break out this information, they talk about they they talk about some pretty strange stuff throughout through and through. Like it's just, it's 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 mind blowing. But one of the one of the things that keeps recurring when they talk about this type of stuff is how sometimes they'll be on like operating tables, completely just like just completely uh, 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 shot down or at least just, you know, disempowered. And an, a gray alien will walk into the room holding a baby, but it doesn't look like an alien and it doesn't look like a human. It's like your archetypal gray alien with, you know, the big gray eyes, but it's got blue irises and blonde hair. And then they take it over to the mother and then telepathically the alien says, this is your child. We don't. We can't help it. We can't emit love, and so they have to say, "Well, you're you're holding the baby's head wrong. You have to cradle it. You have to con- you have to console it. You have to talk to it." And this is these are reports that go back to at least like the, the 60s or the 70s. I have one of uh, Doctor David, or Doctor. Um, I have one of Doctor of, of Bud Hopkins's books. The name escapes me at the moment. But there are all kinds of depictions of just that. I might have to do like a whole separate thing on this because I, I find all this stuff so fascinating. But let me get into this article right here. Uh, we put this up April 29th. It's by Paul Seaburn from Mysterious Universe. It says, quote, So they came not for the sake of us, but for the sake of them, their survival. But their survival is actually our survival as well. The survival of the entire biosphere. Oh, I, I, I want to say this and I'll, I'll finish reading some of this. That's one of the theories in, in relation to this, into aliens and extraterrestrials, air quotes, is that they're actually time travelers from our future and that they've come back to our present day time period to collect the genomes before things actually went wrong, before they became these androgynous, uh, genderless creatures, these genderless, these genderless things. And you don't think that's, you don't think that's a... Uh, too far-fetched until you start moving into this 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 world that we're at now talking about transgenders transhumanism gender identity blah 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 blah. you don't think that that could be a reality until you see what they're starting to do with genders today uh i also say that one of the reasons as to why they're coming up with so many different genders uh identities and sexualities 
LGBTQ P four five six seven eight, all these different things, is because of what's going on with Roundup, what's going on with glyphosate, what's going on with uh, what we're eating. What happens if down the line, you know, Alex Jones says this all the time, the water is turning the freaking frogs gay. What happens if down the line that the crops are actually ter- turning people's genders off or inverting people's genders? What happens when they have two sets of genitalia or a half a set? And so then we start doing all kinds of different things to our gender. And by doing so, we begin to pollute the bloodline and then create these, these, these alien humans. Crazy stuff, I know, right? But that's probably why you're still here. Uh, but continuing on, Dr. Young Hei Chi teaches at Oxford University, so he must know what he's talking about, right? Sure. He teaches Korean, but that hasn't stopped him from delving into other subjects, like the idea that aliens are here in bleeding, breeding with humans to create hybrids that will be better suited to survive on their home planet and ours. Quote, it may be more or less assumed that the hybrid project is a response to the impending demise of human civilization. A recent article in the Oxford Student recounts a lecture titled Alien Abduction and the Environmental Crisis, which Dr. Chi presented in 2012 at the AMAC, at the, at the, AMAC, the Anomalous Mind Management Abductee Contact Helpline a conference in Nottingham. It says AMAC was founded in 2011 by Joanne Summerscale and Miles Johnson to offer some emotional support to uh, traumatized abductees. And before I go into that as well, so much to break down with with all this because what we're talking about is how they... This was the main thing with the Space Brothers and the alien agenda, the UF... Particularly the, the... the abductee phenomena, the contactee phenomena, not the abductee phenomena, the contactee phenomena. That's why they said you need to get rid of your nuclear wars. You need to get rid of all of your weapons because you're, you're, you're distorting time. You're destroying the planet. And then after that, that's when it transformed into the abductee. After they got done, uh, not necessarily going through a denuclearization process or nuclear disarmament process, but that we, we, we kind of dialed back from that, that we started to see this, that they began to start taking people, not meeting them out in the desert or not meeting them out in the woods somewhere, but that they were coming to actually take people from their bedrooms to conduct these type of experiences. So yeah, people could be traumatized from these types of things. Uh, but continuing on, it says many people experience ridicule, vilification, isolation, beside, isolation besides what they're going through. We offer non-judgmental interviews and an opportunity to talk about it. Dr. Chi reportedly told attendees he's a follower of a longtime U.S. abduction researcher, Dr. David Jacobs, uh, who believes second-generation human-alien hybrids are in the process of colonizing Earth. And he's right, because Dr. David M. Jacobs has said that before, uh, that, a, that a lot of the, the particular people that he was working with, with regression hypnosis, uh, were actually talking about how how they've met their children, how they've somehow grown or, or gone through this rapid growth process. And, you know, they'll be, they'll be in their apartment, they'll be doing random things, and then they'll just get this weird feeling that somebody's watching them. And then, you know, they'll, they'll look outside and then they'll see somebody staring at them from their apartment. A few more weeks go by, right? And then that same person that was staring at them from the apartment or from the street at the apartment months ago is standing in the same hallway and so these kinds of strange encounters happen all throughout the, this person's like lifetime. But then whenever it meets that, that, that culmination point, that's when the, the alien child walks up to the, to the seed parent and says, hey, look, they sent me. 
And it's the way that they have this communication because no one else knows that this person is an abductee that the child says, I'm your child, but I'm also their child. And the reason that this is happening, this whole hybridization process, is because they understand that some kind of great cataclysm is going to come through and that they need new humans for the planet. And this is all so fascinating to me. It really is. That's why I'm still still absorbed by it even to this day. Uh, but continuing on, it says that uh, human-alien hybrids are in the process of colonizing Earth. Chi blamed this on climate change. Quote, it may be more or less assumed that the hybrid project is a response to, the, to this impending demise of human civilization. However, he thought at the time that if we piddly, if we piddly humans actually took action against climate change, we could stop the hybridization and, quote, prove aliens wrong in their judgment of our moral capacity. <laughs> well, we've seen how that turned out. Dr. Chi has now written a book about these and other aliens titled Alien Visitations and the End of Humanity. He told the Oxford student about the four types of aliens already on Earth. Small, tall, and bold aliens with scales and snake eyes. And finally, insect-like aliens. And warned that insect-like aliens have ruled over us. However, that's all I really have for you guys. If you want to go read more, you want to learn more about that, go look into things like the hybridization program, the alien agenda, the secret space program, space force, the space core. Go back to that article. We put that up April 29th. You can find it on our Instagram page or on Fedbook as well because this is a powerful topic that clearly we clearly I wanted to wait until the end of the episode to get your mind racing in that in that direction. Clearly this is stuff that we're still figuring out and that we still have to think about. Aliens and climate change? How fascinating could that be? But I'm pretty sure we'll talk about this, you know, in the future as well because this is not this is not a simple subject and it's not going away. We truly do live in interesting times. And while all these types of things are happening, the, the crisis at our border, things like climate change, what's going on with our, with our, our, our political system, the socioeconomic reformation, the technocracy on steroids, the social engineering, and more, we are living in such tremendous times that it's imperative that we keep our heads cool, and that we can't, we, can't, we can't allow for ourselves to be deceived. It's important to study these things, to look at these types of things, but also put them into place keep ourselves in check. We can't allow ourselves to be slaves of our emotions, otherwise we'll be led astray. And that's why it's imperative that we keep a cool head and that we find like-minded minds in these troubling times and double down. Because I assure you our adversaries are, and we can't be, we can't walk through this alone. No one is supposed to be doing anything alone, because we are all that we have. However, that's all I really have for you guys. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Global Destabilization, Urban Warfare, and Opening the Doorways. However, that's all I really have for you guys and gals. I know we went over a lot as we typically do but it's usually in the vein to make sure that you're sane in these insane times that we find ourselves living in. Real quick before I let you guys go, literally at the time of recording this actual podcast episode, we've been notified that Louis Farrakhan and Alex Jones have been taken off of Facebook and Instagram. We have interesting days ahead of us. As I said before with Julian Assange and Nipsey Hussle and others, you see them taking heroes. I'm very curious to see who will rise up and what kind of issues we will face in the future. This is why 
it is still imperative for us to grow despite all the adversity. Our challenges, <laughs> they're only beginning. And that's why we have to do everything within our power to keep fighting. However, ladies and gentlemen, that's all everything we have for you guys. Make sure you check out part three of four with Adam Nix and JC Abbott of the Wayfinder Podcast. I'll put that link in the description bar below, as well as more information about the 10-day jungle retreat we will be doing with Nate Max of Innate Awareness. Lastly, I'd like to say thank you guys for allowing me to be in your life. Thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity and to do this type of work and to fight the good fight. That's all I really have for you guys and gals. And remember team, stay vigilant. Expose lies and share truth. This is Noisera, Freedom Faction, out.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.